Do I need a life coach? You're listening to episode 80 with Rhiannon Bush, part 14 of the Your Year series. Welcome to the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast. We're here to discuss the ins and outs of the life coaching industry and give you tools to use to see for yourself. I'm your host, Rhiannon Bush, mother, management consultant, and a passionate, certified life coach. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 80. Wow. Eight zero. That's a lot of work, my friends. That is a lot of work. I don't know how many of you go through the website uh, to listen to these episodes, but the full transcripts are there, plus the download links for things that I've referenced. You know, it's it's a lot. It's immense. So yeah, I'm loving it though. I really am. And I'm just, I hope you're getting what you need out of it. The feedback I'm getting from some of you, I really appreciate. It's great. Uh, and some of the feedback around, you know, additional clarity requests and things. So I just, yeah, any feedback I absolutely love. So bring it, keep it coming. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today, we are talking about one of my favorite topics. I absolutely love it. And before we get into that, I just want to mention that we are in the final block of the Your Year series. So we have four episodes to go. And in this final block, we get really practical. We get really, really practical about overcoming things and making sure we set ourselves up for success. So the last block was on that those intrinsic qualities, those internal things that we need to really keep motivated, keep focused, keep going and how to avoid um, sabotaging ourselves or falling off the bandwagon and needing to come back on. This last four series is all about like full steam ahead, how we actually can, from a really practical perspective, keep going and ensure that we get to where we want to be. So Buckle in and get that workbook ready because we still have a little bit more work to do. So today's episode, planning ahead. I, I'm such a planner. I love it. My family joke that I spreadsheet them and I do. <laughs> I'm not like business analyst type spreadsheet person, but I do love a spreadsheet. I really do. Um, and I just love planning. I feel great when I plan. So if you're not a planner, there will absolutely be material in here for you. If you love planning, you might also get something out of it too. But this is for us to really start to achieve our goals in a measured and successful way. And I cannot tell you how much planning in advance changed my life. And not only mine, it changes my clients' lives, every single one of them, because it always is something that comes up along with time management. So we have our animal brain. And our animal brain wants instant gratification and to feel good all the time. It's all it really wants. And for us to be comfortable. So when we go to the gym, when we do something that you know we really don't want to do, our brain will fight us on it tooth and nail. And then off the back end of doing that thing, like a gym workout is the best example that I have, all of a sudden we feel great. But had we not done the thing we didn't want to do and overcome our animal brain to do it, then we never would feel good the way that we do off the back of actually doing the thing. You know, school exams are a similar and very easily relatable example. You know, we all had to study really hard to do our exams or, you know, you might not have been somebody that studied hard, but you still had to sit the exam. And then off the back of it, it's just like complete elation and relief once you've done your final one for the year. So, you know, everything that we do that's really, really like 
yucky and difficult going in. Often off the back of it, we feel fantastic. And I do feel like the opposite is true for instant gratification. You know, our body's saying, oh, give us a wine or give us some chocolate or, you know, stick another fiver in the slot machine. And as soon as we do it, we don't feel good about it. We don't stop and go, oh, that feels so much better. I mean, yes, chocolate tastes awesome, but once it's in your stomach, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's it's very instant gratification. It's very in the moment and then it's done and the repercussions off the back of it um, are the complete opposite, right? So for us to be comfortable is what our animal brain wants and we will have that animal brain thing our entire lives. So when we truly get results, it's because we've used our higher functioning brain, our adult brain, known as our prefrontal cortex, to plan, to reflect, to strategize and look after our higher needs, which are growth and making a difference in other people's lives. So contributing. Brooke Castillo talks about this stuff all the time. If we constantly give in to our animal brain and honor that instant gratification to feel good all the time, we deprive ourselves of so much achievement and fulfillment that we can be feeling on such a deeper level and achieve so much more long-term, long, long-term success. If anything will derail you, it is the need to feel comfortable right now and to get that instant gratification because so often we will go to do something where we don't feel like it or I'm tired or no, I'd rather sleep in. Enter whatever statement that you want in here, right? Going out with friends, watching Netflix, eating cake, go even going for a walk, falling in a Netflix hole. But what I see frequently happening with my clients is that when they give into it, they feel a plethora of negativity and self-depreciating things off the back of it, the negative emotions off the back of giving into that instant gratification means they feel like they've let themselves down. And I have been through this so often myself. So as part of the Your Year series, we need to have an awareness ahead of time that yes, we will feel the need to have that instant gratification because it's very, very normal. And also we need to plan in advance to overcome that when it happens using our adult brain. And this happens by anticipating it, planning for it. And by the way, if this sounds like you're never going to feel good or have any fun, that's absolutely not true. The difference is that when you want to eat cake, go for a walk with friends, you know, you'll have a planned idea that it's going to do it, which means you've made a conscious choice ahead of time by using your adult brain. And your adult brain is the smart, responsible part of your brain that sets great boundaries for you. It looks out for your health and well-being and you will do it proactively, not reactively. And the consequence of doing this is that you'll experience such greater levels of fulfillment, pride, joy, self-discipline, because you will honor your commitments to yourself, you'll take action, and you'll make conscious choices around how you want to feel good and when. And this will give you such a better balance as well. So for instance, if you're like, you know what, I'm okay to eat two chocolate bars a week. Great. When am I going to eat them? Here you go. Instead of it being like, oh, I'm really not happy about that thing that happened at work. So I'm going to go and stuff my face with chocolate. And then off the back of that, I feel terrible. If you plan it in advance, you're like, you know what? I'm going out for dinner on Friday night and I really want to have dessert at the restaurant. Perfect. Enjoy it. And if you've done it in advance, the chances of you turning around and feeling guilty about it are nil because otherwise you wouldn't have planned to do it in the first place or you've got time to change your mind. Brilliant. It's just brilliant. 
So to plan ahead effectively, it's so important to understand what standards you're setting for yourself in different areas of your life, i.e., yeah, you can have some dessert at the restaurant when you go out for dinner one night, right? And this is why we've done such great work on your perfect average day and setting our goal, creating a manageable action plan, devising our values and doing many of the other elements that we've covered in the Your Year series. It has been deliberate and it has been on purpose, okay? The Your Year series is structured the way it's structured for a reason. So understanding how you want to spend your precious 168 hours per week is absolutely vital because that's all we get. 168 hours per week. Can you believe it? And trust me when I say I've tried to circumvent this. I've tried adapting to have, say, six hours sleep in a night to get those extra hours. And yes, it can be done temporarily. And then eventually I fall in a heap because I need to sleep probably eight hours a night. And if I try to go for six hours a night sleep for short stints, I will get to a point where I crash and then I need like 16 hours a day for a few days. That sleep debt thing is real, my friends. And I wish, oh, I wish I could tell you differently. (laughs) I really wish I could be like, nah, you can sleep for six hours a night and you'll be absolutely fine. I think anyone who's tried that for a long term will know that that's a lie. And while we're on it, I think if you're a morning person, you're a morning person. And I think if you're a night person, you're a night person. I knew somebody who was Um, a night owl. She loved staying up at night. She felt really fiery at night, focused, was able to really produce amazing work late at night. And she tried to become a morning person. And yeah, it didn't work. It's not sustainable. It's like I used to work in nightclubs. And so we would start our shifts at 6pm. We would knock off at 5am. We would have knock off drinks. We would get home at 10 or 11am. And then we'd turn around and do it again the next night. And look, it was fine for a while. And it was really, really fun. Let's be honest, or I wouldn't have done it. And I needed the money. But really, that environment, not conducive to me. I can get up at 5am pretty easily as long as I'm in bed at nine and try to be asleep by nine. But anyway, back to the number of hours you have in your week, right? 168. So say 56 hours of that approximately you need to sleep. That leaves 112 hours. So let's say we need, say, three hours a day to shower, toilet, eat, commute. And that's being very conservative. And then that's down to 91 hours. And say you have a nine to five job five days a week. That's down now to 51 hours. Add in five hours a week for exercise, two hours a week for supermarket shopping, say two hours a day for socializing with family and or friends, whether that's in person or online, like Facebook or whatever, that leaves you with a bit over four hours per day for the rest of the week. Yep. And while when it's quantified like that, it may seem like a reasonable amount, you know, about 30 extra hours in a week that you're not attributing to anything, but that is a very lean take on how your week could look. That doesn't factor in rest or life admin. Uh, It doesn't factor in a lot of commuting and gym time, like five sessions at one hour. Like I know Damien, when he goes to the gym, it's a minimum of two hours each, each session. It doesn't factor in cleaning or cooking. It also doesn't factor in optimizing your time or your productivity levels. So there are times in the day when you won't work as effectively. Have you ever heard that expression that I mentioned before? I'm a night person or I'm a morning person. We all have times of the day when we are able to be super productive versus times of the day when we're just not. For me personally, 3.30, I'm hopeless. From about 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock, maybe a bit after 4, 
I'm useless. I should go for a walk. I should just go and lie down. I should just chill out. I am not good around that time. And 5 a.m., I'm on fire. I can just switch it on at 5 a.m. My optimal is probably like 9 a.m., 8 or 9 a.m. And usually that's not when I'm sitting at a desk. That's usually when I'm running around kids. But, you know, it's still for me, it's in the morning. And I know that that's true. Uh, and also I can kick back in again at 5 p.m. So after sort of that 3.30 to 4.30-ish time, if I'm still going and I'm going like 5 p.m., 6 p.m., I can get really, really focused then at that time. But you'll know what it is for you. And if you don't, find out. Because you really want to optimize your productivity times when you best work and when you best work effectively. The point of all of this maths around how many hours we have in a week is if you don't plan ahead of time, you waste so much more time. And considering the lack of time we already have, it's really not something we should be okay wasting. Especially if you're ambitious, driven, and you want to live a meaningful life. And knowing you, you'll pack in as much as you can, but it's also important to rest. Why? Have you ever heard of play therapy? Through studies done with children, the Lego Foundation, like yes, Lego Masters, the Lego Blocks, Danish toy company, they have found that the mirror neurons in our brain work differently when we are in a state of play. So when we're having fun, when we're more you know, happy and light, the happy hormones like oxytocin and dopamine produced and serotonin and all of those, they really work better to enable us to be more productive, more focused and to retain information a lot better. And do you know what gives us our biggest hit of dopamine, the happy hormone? Sleep. So we can restore dopamine levels in our brain throughout the day by laughing, exercising, um, doing other activities that we really love. But essentially, when we wake up, we wake up with a set amount of dopamine that's been restored during our sleep, specifically in stages three and four of our sleep cycle, which is deep sleep. And we need between two to three hours of deep sleep per night, which doesn't sound like a lot, but we have to go through other stages to get to stages three and four. We have to go through a process. We also have REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement. And that's where our brain becomes really active while it processes information and commits what it wants to long-term memory. And through the night, we'll fluctuate in and out of these states, but it's deep sleep that restores our happy hormones and a lot of our musculature and a whole lot of other things. That's our restorative sleep. When we are in a state of play, we enhance that neuroplasticity in our brains and we expand our awareness. Therefore, we learn better. We're more productive. We retain information more efficiently when we're having fun. So rest is a huge key to your success. And if you're a high achiever, which I'm guessing you are, if you're listening to this on personal development, professional development, you want to jam pack your life. But as a high achiever, it's often really hard to rest because our brains are actively thinking about our next steps or what we should be doing. There is another benefit of having a weekly plan. You know when everything you need to do gets done because it's scheduled. You can rest and you can enjoy that rest without feeling guilty or like you shouldn't be resting because, oh, that's not very productive or, oh, I really need to be doing that or, oh, I should clean out that cupboard or, oh, I've been meaning to do that for a while. Just stop. Rest is very, very important. So having a plan is very, very important because it enables you to rest. The benefits of having a plan is that you know exactly what you'll have achieved by the end of the day or the week. When we were doing the time management methods and I was telling you that I time block, 
I know exactly what I'm going to have done by the end of a week because I time block. I've calculated how much I'll be able to achieve without stretching myself beyond my limits, which prevents burnout. So by having that plan, you will be able to manage and monitor your time and set boundaries around it. You'll also be able to handle chaos and change because your foundation, your weekly schedule will be set, which means you can juggle things when and if you need to. You'll enjoy your rest time and you'll let it restore you. You'll achieve so much more because you won't use time you've scheduled to actually get things done on planning or considering the things that you should be doing. I've made this mistake many times as well. Rock into work Monday morning without a plan and I sit there for the first hour or so twiddling my thumbs thinking, oh, what do I need to do today? What's on my agenda? And this is fine when there's not a lot to do. But even when there isn't a lot to do, If I've at least thought about what I want to achieve by the end of that next day or what I need to do first thing when I sit down, I can hit the ground running in the morning and I can achieve so much more and I feel much more productive. I feel much better. And so will you if you have a plan. You'll feel better because it satisfies our need for certainty and provides structure to work from. This structure and the plan comes from our adult brain, looking after our best longer-term interests. This way, when our child brain reacts to shiny things throughout the week, we can stick to our plan. The adult steps in and says, is that on the schedule? It sounds prescriptive, but it's life-changing, especially when you want to achieve big things and you need to get to work. I read a LinkedIn post by Layla Hormozy this morning, and it had her with a cup of coffee. And people said, what's your morning ritual? And she said, I don't have one. It's get a coffee and get to work. Because if I relied on how I felt every day, I would be screwed. And I just loved that. She's clearly a high achiever and she puts, puts out work. She just gets to work. And sometimes that's what we have to do. Yeah, state management can be awesome if we're trying to play around with things and do different things. And if we can get into a state easily and we just want to be able to recognize what state we need to be in. But essentially... Sometimes you just got to get to work. So are you best at starting things or stopping things or maintaining things? If you're not a planner, what type of person do you need to be to become one? Grab your notebook and pen, write the answers down to these or write the questions down. What kind of person plans? Describe them. Write down those words. Think about somebody that you know is a planner. What do they do? Then ask yourself, is this you? Are you a planner? If not, do you know someone who is? Copy them. Model them. Planning ahead of time enables us to calmly go about achieving each step because we've reverse engineered the journey and we've got milestones along the way to calibrate whether we're on track or not, just as we did with your goal back in episode 69 and 70. That was a larger version of doing this, what we're talking about, on a weekly basis, but it's still based in the same methodology. By knowing your outcome and having a plan to achieve it ahead of time, by using your adult brain, you have more structure, more control, and you know what your next step is before you get to it. This sets you up for success. In episode 79, we discussed six different time management strategies. Go back to that episode and try the different strategies to see what works for you. Try different apps, planners and methods, but make sure you have a plan and use your adult brain to avoid the reactions of your child brain looking for that instant gratification that will 
derail you from achieving your goals and just sabotage your efforts. Have a weekly plan. Go a week at a time. If that's too difficult, go a couple of days at a time. But at the very least, make sure you have your plan for the next day done by the time you go to bed that night before. Planning can be fun. I absolutely love it. When I do my weekly schedule, I look at it and I'm like, going to smash this week. This is awesome. I love it. So how can you make planning fun for you? And at the end of a successful week where you stuck to your plan, you put those boundaries in place and you told people no if you got shiny distractions, how do you choose to celebrate? I will see you soon. Before you go, I always find reviews really helpful when looking for new information or insights. If you found this podcast valuable, please take a minute to write a quick review about what you found most beneficial so that other people can benefit from your insights and have a listen as well. I would love that. Also, if there are any topics you want me to cover specifically about life coaching or the life coaching industry, visit rhiannonbush.com to contact me. Thanks for joining and I'll see you in the next episode of the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast.